You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome to the official podcast of the Milwaukee Brewers. This is Brewers on Tap. Here's the pitch. A curveball! Time to tap the keg with Lane Grindle. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to episode number 207 of Brewers on Tap. It is the All-Star Game break. It is the All-Star break version of Brewers on Tap. Brewers had five All-Stars when it was all said and done. Brandon Woodruff, Corbin Burns, Freddie Peralta, the big three, as we like to refer to the Brewers' front end of their starting rotation. Of course, Josh Hader at the back end of that bullpen, and then Omar Narvaez getting in, and he actually got a base hit off of Liam Hendricks in the ninth inning of the Midsummer Classic on Tuesday night in Colorado. All in all, a really cool experience for the Brewers. Corbin Burns pitched a couple of innings and gave up a couple of runs, including a home run to Vlad Guerrero Jr., and of course, uh, Freddie Peralta struck out the side in his scoreless inning. Woodruff and Hayter did not pitch, which I think was uh, of their preference. Of course, Woodruff was ineligible to pitch because he pitched on Sunday against the Reds. And for Hayter, probably his preference after he had been worked a lot over the course of the last week of the unofficial first half of the season. So the Brewers had five at the Midsummer Classic. Very, very cool. It's kind of uh, becoming a little bit of a tradition for the Brewers. They had five in 2019. And they had five as well in 2018. Brewers, of course, sitting at four games out in front in the NL Central as we get ready to embark on the second half of the season. The Brewers, of course, had that big winning streak towards the end of the first half. Then over the course of the last week, dropped a game to the Pirates on Sunday, a couple of games to the Mets, winning the final game of that Mets series on Wednesday, and then winning the Thursday game of the Red Series and then losing a couple of really close games uh, in the final three over the course of that Red Series. So they dropped three or four to the Reds. Brewers sit at 53-39, and 39, 14 games above 500, as we told you. Four games clear of the Reds in the Central. They're eight games clear of the Cubs in the Central, eight games clear of the Cardinals in the Central, and the Pirates really a non-factor, sitting at 18 games back. So we get ready for this big stretch to start the second half of the season, and it opens up with three big ones in Cincinnati against the Reds at Great American Ballpark. Should be fun. Looking forward to this series. Uh, Both teams should have their pitching pretty well lined up for this series also. When you look at the Brewers, we told you, Narvaez having a great season so far. He has played in 71 games, an even 300 batting average, and 865 OPS, 12 doubles, 8 home runs, and 26 driven on the year. Certainly all-star worthy from the Brewers' standpoint. Other names that you should keep an eye on for this Brewers team. Well, how about Willie Adamas? He's played in 48 games with the crew this year. And with the Brewers, a 291 average, 9 home runs, 15 doubles, and 30 driven. And he has a 909 OPS. He is the MVP of this team in the first half of the season, and he didn't come till May 22nd. Christian Yelich just hitting 241, but he's getting on base at a 399 clip. He leads the team with 47 walks. That's a good sign. He's seeing the baseball pretty well. I think you're going to see Christian Yelich really good going in the second half. Brewers need him to, but I think you're going to see it too. I really feel confident in that. Christian Yelich has been grinding away. 
hanging in there, staying in there. He stayed healthy, which has been a big thing. And I think as this lineup continues to hit around him, you're going to see Christian take off eventually. He's too good of a player uh, for him not to take off at some point and get on a hot streak before the season is all said and done. Abisayo Garcia, very big first half from him. 256, 16 home runs, 55 driven in, 73 hits on the year. That is uh, pretty good uh, from Garcia's standpoint. 11 doubles as well for Aviseo Garcia. Luis Arias has been big, 237 average, but the 12 home runs and the 14 doubles and 42 driven in. Certainly nothing to get too uh, upset about. He has uh, performed well. Jace Peterson's been big for the Brewers. Colton Wong, when he's been healthy, has been great for the Brewers. He's been everything they thought he would be, a 291 average for Colton Wong, an 830 OPS. He's been, when healthy, the Brewers' first or second best player over the course of this season. So the Brewers have some things that they like. Of course, we're 15 days away from the trading deadline. We'll see if there's moves that are made between now and then for the crew. But from a pitching standpoint, that's where so much of the attention gets paid, and rightfully so. That's what has driven the bus, so to speak, for this team this year. Brandon Woodruff, 113 and a third innings pitched, a 2.06 ERA and a 7-4 and record. Freddie Peralta, 7-3 and with a 2.39 ERA and 98 innings. Corbin Burns is 4-4 four four with a 2.36 ERA and 87 and two-thirds innings. And don't forget about Adrian Hauser. He has been the under-the-radar, low-key, Really solid performer in the rotation for the Brewers this year. 86 and two-thirds innings and a 3.74 ERA. Eric Lauer with a 3.83 ERA uh, as another part of this rotation. And Brett Anderson has pitched well also at a 4.33. That's maybe not the, the numbers we're talking about with Woodruff and Peralta and Burns, but still, if that's your fifth starter, that's pretty good. And in that case, it's your sixth starter for Brett Anderson. Good stuff. We told you Josh Hader, 3-2, and 1-4-9 ERA, 21 saves. Uh, good numbers from him. Boxberger with a 2-8-7 ERA. Devin Williams with a 2-9-7 ERA. I think the Devin Williams number is going to continue to get better as the season goes along as well. And then you got some guys like Jake Cousins in eight appearances, nine and a third innings, just one hit and 14 strikeouts. 0.00 ERA from him. Miguel Sanchez, a 2-1-6 ERA in his eight appearances eight and a third innings. Uh, there's a lot to like there. So the Brewers have some pieces there. I think you probably see them kick the tires on some relief pitching help. I think every team that's a contender certainly is going to do that over the course of this year. So um, it's exciting right now. Uh, there's reasons to be very, very fired up about what the Brewers have put together with this team and what this next two and a half months has in store for it and hopefully three and a half months with the postseason being extended for the Brewers. That's what we're hoping for. A lot of work to do between now and then to make it happen. Well, I had a chance to catch up with Josh Hader after he was named to the All-Star Game. So this is before he uh, before he went out to, to Colorado and participated in all the activities around the Midsummer Classic. But I had a chance to talk to him while we were in New York about being named to his third All-Star team. Let's break it down. You were named to your third All-Star team yesterday. I know it's always exciting news to, to hear that you're going to be a part of, of the Midsummer Classic, but um, all the same, you know, what, what was kind of going through your mind when you got informed, and, and uh, what was your reaction? No, I was definitely uh, excited about it and honored. I think it's a big honor, especially, uh, like I say, man, playing with all these guys, playing the type of caliber these guys are, 
Um, and to be named an all-star among those guys, it's, it's uh, quite incredible. So um, to be there on my third time as well, it's, uh, I don't think it ever gets old. You don't ever assume things because that's just how you are knowing you like I do. And yet, uh, I don't think it should have been a big surprise. The season you're having was more than justifiable to be an all-star, but you're also the reigning National League Reliever of the Month because you won that award as well in June. Is this as good as you felt? You've had some amazing seasons, but, but with everything that you can throw out there now to complement that fastball, is this as confident as you've been? Yeah, I think there, there's a lot of things that go into it. I think, um, you know, obviously the confidence is the biggest thing. Um, I think the confidence in having three pitches, being able to throw uh, all three of those, any counts, um, has really helped me uh, this year and, and to keep the hitters off balance. Um, I think also going into the offseason trying to get stronger, uh, learn my body a little bit more um, and, and how well I can prepare it to perform at this level. Uh, I think that was one of my biggest things is adding all that into a mix um, and, and getting a good routine built up over the past years uh, has really uh, helped me stay in control of you know, where I can be at with my body and um, being able to play at this, t- uh, this level. Is, it's, it's definitely helped out a lot. How much of this goes back to what you've been able to do in the off seasons to get yourself, you know, a, a, an expanded portfolio, if you will, and just trying to stay one step ahead? Yeah, I think that's the biggest thing is trying to stay one step ahead. And you never know what that one step is, but you like to uh, just just take little things from the past years on, on what you can improve or, or maybe um, what you could do a little bit better. Uh, in, in the sense of you know working out or on the mound, um, depending on where that that ends up. But uh, for me, I felt like the strength was my biggest thing, and uh, you know I was able to um, you know add Pilates into the mix, and I think it's probably my third year doing it, second year. So uh, it's been able to um, you know really change my body in a way that I can use my flexibility um, down the mound, but being able to control it. I think. If you can do that, add those two in the mix, I mean, as a, as a pitcher, you know, that, that adds up for a, a good recipe. You know, that's, some, that's interesting because Jeff Levering and I were just talking about that watching some of the guys on the field, that most people don't understand how important flexibility and core strength are to an athlete in general, but specifically to a baseball player and specifically to a pitcher. Yeah, absolutely. I think, I think that's one of the things that a lot of us don't realize. I mean, especially from the outside, you, you think that, when you're when you're thinking strong, you think of bulky, um, you know, built muscle-wise. But for me, my strong is is different than than other guys. So, um, yeah, I think flexibility is is a key part of this game because uh, I mean we're always moving rotation, um, you know, whether that's hitting or, or pitching. So um, to be able to do that and not have to worry about um, overexerting your your muscles or or whatever it may be, um, it, it definitely helps. All right, the 4th of July was yesterday, and the team did their normal dress-up that they do on the 4th of July. Didn't get a chance to do that last year because of the pandemic, but yeah. you, you stayed with your consistent theme of a blow-up outfit. You were a firecracker yesterday. How much thought went into it? Um, well, I actually didn't think I was going to make it happen. Um, counts, you know, he was like, you got to stay with the blow-up. Uh, <laughs> so had an eagle last 4th of July, and um, I was like, well, let me let me see what I can figure out with with USA, and they happen to have you know the the dancers. That's actually the dancer from uh, oh, yeah. you know car washes and yeah. stuff like that that go crazy. So it's like that would be a little little bit fun, uh, you know, just be able to mess around and it just adds a little uh, fun to the whole situation. And you know, it kind of 
Just enjoy the moment. So you've kind of solved a riddle here because a lot of people thought that was a firecracker. It's not. It's actually like, hey, there's a sale pull into this parking lot. Yeah, this is this is the, the freedom sale right here, baby. <laughs> well, Josh, we appreciate it. Congratulations again. So deserving. And uh, best of luck throughout this series and throughout the rest of this for sale. Appreciate it, brother. All right, our thanks to Josh Hader for joining me here on Brewers on Tap. We're going to jump into things quickly here. The Brewers had the MLB draft this past week during the All-Star break. There was a lot going on for not having actual regular season baseball games being played. The Brewers made 21 selections. We'll jump into a little bit of a breakdown of that, and we're going to talk to first-round pick Sal Freelich. Let's go check in on the farm. Checking in on the farm. Okay, the Brewers made 21 selections in the MLB draft, including first-round pick and 15th overall pick Sal Freelich. Brewers went very heavy in terms of college bats and arms at the beginning of this draft. Last year, of course, it was a five-round draft. It was a shortened draft because of the pandemic, and the Brewers went all college bats, which was a little bit of a surprise to some, certainly a trend that was worth noting. This year, all college players, whether it be a pitcher or a bat, in the first 10 rounds for the Brewers. They go with Sal Freelich, an outfielder out of Boston College in round one. A guy that doesn't hit for a ton of power, but a lot of contact, a lot of speed. Very good defensive player. He was the ACC Defensive Player of the Year. Hit 359 this past year for Boston College. And then they went with the second baseman that projects with some power in Tyler Black from Wright State, a Canadian-born uh, player, the first Canadian-born player picked in this year's draft in Tyler Black. He was picked uh, with the uh, pick number 33, which was uh, compensatory, uh, <clears throat> which was competitive balance uh, A, uh, so basically still the, the back end of the first round for, for Tyler Black. And then the Brewers went with a big 6'9 lefty out of TCU, uh, with their next pick. So the Brewers went with a lot of college players, which tells you that these are guys that uh, should develop rather fast. If these are guys that are hits in terms of uh, your projections, then they should move fast through the Brewers' system. So it'll be interesting to see some of these guys get in there and get going. Also, Alex Benellis, uh, an Oak Creek product, who was a corner infielder for Louisville, a big-time power from Benellis, he was also drafted in the third round from the Brewers. That's an exciting story. I'm excited to watch and see what he's going to be able to do in the Brewers organization. But let's jump into it, and let's talk to speedy outfielder Sal Freeland. Well, we are joined by Brewers' first-round pick, Sal Freelich, who is an outfielder from Boston College, and the Brewers just selected him with the 15th pick in the MLB draft earlier this week. And Sal, first and foremost, congratulations. What an amazing week this has had to have been for you. And, and I'm sure your head's been spinning a little bit. Yeah, thank you. And definitely uh, an exciting week. Glad to be a Brewer. What was this process like for you? I mean, obviously, you really didn't have much of a sophomore season because of the pandemic last year. You come back this year and you get the full season, which was great. But uh, going through the, the, the process of scouts coming to see you and talking with teams, did you have a good feeling that the Brewers were one of the teams that had you high on their list? I, I knew that was the range I was probably going to end up in somewhere around there. So that was definitely one of the teams that, uh, you know, I had circled. But at the same time, 
you never really know once the draft starts with who gets chosen before you and whatnot. So, um, but as that pick kind of approached, I uh, um, figured that, you know, they were interested in me and I found out maybe a minute before uh, they actually picked that they they were going to take me. So you were a big time high school football player and baseball player. You had uh, the opportunity to play both at Boston College set before you, before you went to BC. Was it always baseball for you in your heart? You know, I remember getting asked that in high school and middle school and whatnot, and it was always whatever season it was, that was my answer. It yeah. was in the fall, it was football. In the winter, it was hockey. And in, in the spring, it was baseball. And you know, I didn't pick up a bat until hockey season was over. And then I played baseball until football camp in you know August, September. So that's kind of how it always was. And um, I was always trying to play as many sports as I could. And um, yeah, I was fortunate enough to receive an offer from Boston College for football. Really thought about doing both there and um, kind of just narrowed it down to what can I play the longest and talk with my coaches and family, and that was baseball. What was the experience getting to know the Brewers through this process? I know we talked about how the Brewers, you had a good feeling that they were one of the teams that had you high on, the, on, on their radar. What was your impression of the Brewers as you went through the process? Great organization, and we were talking a little bit before about how well they developed their players. Um, I was been following a little bit, just being a Boston kid was a big Jackie Bradley fan and he's now in you know, Milwaukee. So that was something that uh, I was always following along, big Christian Yelich fan. So I um, was really fired up to be drafted by a very respectable and, and, and good organization in Milwaukee. When did you know baseball was going to be a sport that you had a, a real future in? Did you know at a pretty early age? No, I had, I had no clue. I probably didn't know until maybe the end of my freshman year and, you know, even sooner, you know, started my junior year even it was it was really late for me and it was something I wasn't running around doing showcases in high school for baseball just with you know the other sports and had no interest in you know the draft at a high school and kind of just went in you know under the radar guy to college and you know I knew that I was a good player I didn't know um, I think I would excel that quick um, at the college level but I think after my freshman campaign I was like you know I can play with these guys I think I'm gonna be able to do this for a while. It's a great lesson too though Sal because the showcases and everything, those are great. Those are wonderful. But if you're good enough, they're going to find you. There's guys everywhere across this country and across this globe, really, that are blanketing it, looking for talent. And if you're good enough, they're going to find you, aren't they? Yeah, absolutely. And, and not just that. It's just you see a lot of these, you know, even college coaches looking for athletes out of high school, kids that play multiple sports. And yeah, well, it's something I valued that year round competition more so than just specializing in one and definitely something I, I still value. Well, you were all ACC. Um, you were second team all ACC as a freshman. Last year was a weird year. This year, you're all ACC again. But you're also the all ACC defensive player of the year. And it seems like whenever I pull up scouting reports on you or read articles about you, one of the first tools that everybody talks about is speed. Is that your strength, in your opinion? Yeah, I definitely think so. <clears throat> Whether that's, you know, defensively tracking balls down in the outfield or turning singles into doubles, it's. It, I definitely think that speed is something I can use in multiple facets of the game and um, something that's always, you know, been my strong suit. Brewers made a, a big push over the last two years to draft a lot of college bats. Uh, they did that exclusively last year in that shortened draft, and they did it really through the first 10 rounds of this year's draft as well. How does the college experience, in your opinion, get you prepared for the grind of minor league life, which is out in front of you now over the next couple of years? Yeah, I think there's a couple aspects. That I think schedule is one. You're obviously not playing as many games, but in the season, you know, in a week, you're close to it. You know, you're, you're mm -hmm. playing, you know, a lot of games, there's a lot of travel involved. So um, just with the time management, you know, aspect of it, there, there's a lot of learning, but then the talent as well, especially 
you know, being in a power five conference with the ACC, the pitching you see there, I think is, you know, top tier. And th that does really prepare you for the next level. And there's been, you know, guys that have gotten drafted out of DC who have, you know, stayed in touch with who tell me like, Hey, I, I, I felt so prepared, you know, not just from ACC baseball, but, you know, Boston college as well, really, really good job developing players. Well, Sal, we're excited to get to things started for you. Can't wait to start following you and your career up through the Brewers organization. Congratulations once again. Thank you so much. My thanks to Sal Freelich for joining us here on Brewers on Tap. The Brewers did make a move this past week as well, and we can't let you go without telling you about that. Kyle Lobstein from the Nationals. Left-hander, has a little bit of elo. He is uh, somebody that is worth paying close attention to for the Brewers. A little bit of depth in that bullpen. He has been assigned to AAA Nashville after he was acquired from the Nationals in exchange for cash. Brewers then designated right-handed pitcher Ryan Weber for assignment, and uh, they have outrighted Daniel Robertson to AAA Nashville, so he cleared and stays in the organization. And some other big news for the Brewers, and that is Justin Topa has been sent to rookie Arizona for the Brewers' blue team and he is on rehab assignment, and that is something to pay close attention to because Topa was a dude at the end of the year last year for the Brewers on the mound. If they can get that guy back by the time September rolls around or late August rolls around, well, that would be a big-time addition for the Brewers in the bullpen. That is going to do it for us. We'll talk to you on the radio tomorrow night in Cincinnati. Can't wait to get that big series started with the Reds. Should be a lot of fun. Until then, stay safe and stay healthy, everybody. Go Crew! I'm Lane Grindle. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion championship team.